0: This is episode 30 of the Brick and Data Podcast, a podcast dedicated to retail news, analytics, and tech. Coming up in this episode, it's Game on for Amazon and Whole Foods.
1: It's a perfect storm for retail, says Dick's sporting good CEO. But Locker has a bit of a Nike dilemma. And more in this episode of Brick and Data.
0: and welcome to another episode of the Brick and Data Podcast. This is Todd Harris, and as always, I'm joined by Jose Chan. Hi, Todd. Hi, everyone. So, Jose, we have a giveaway that we're doing. It's our one-year anniversary. You mentioned this last time. We mentioned this in the last episode, 29. Uh, It is our one-year anniversary. We've done 30 episodes, and we want to give away something. So if you're curious as to what we're giving away and you want to be a part of it, it's really, really simple. Just go to brickdatacast.com. All the details are there. Check it out. Uh, it should take about five minutes of your time. So, good luck to the winner and anyone on that signs up. So, outside of that little logistical item, it is earning season for retail, and with earning season, becomes lots of good little nuggets and topics for uh, the Brick and Data podcast boys. And I figured this this time we'd start off with something um, that. Not necessarily earnings season, but it seems to have totally trumped earnings season. However, two out of our three topics today are completely about earnings and some of the stuff that some of the top retailers are talking about in August of 2017. So let's start off, first of all, with the news that has come out in the past day or so about uh, Amazon and Whole Foods. Amazon and Whole Foods obviously inked that big old deal of $13.7 billion dollars, Um, and they inked this several weeks ago, I think it was, and there was final approval from the FTC just recently, just, I believe, yesterday, was August 24th, it was around that day that uh, the approval was was completed, and not even 24 hours after that, there's news about the future of Whole Foods, and the future looks pretty interesting for Whole Foods, Jose. Um, There's a lot, I guess, in the plan by Amazon to change the way grocery operates, or at least the way that they think grocery should operate initially.
1: Absolutely, Todd. It's really interesting that, as this, you said, the deal is approved. On Monday, the 28th of August, when it officially kicks in, Bezos uh, said everything will change then. It is a whole new world for the world of grocery. Uh, he, He says that he's... Wants to make uh, healthy and organic food affordable for everyone. That said, there will be price drops on Monday. Something that normally doesn't really happen at Whole Foods. I mean, I think it, it's been very scarce. yeah. That's foreign.
0: That's that was. I was surprised when I saw that. <clears throat> and by the way, can I make a quick comment that we've talked about Amazon so much that now we're just calling him Bezos? <laughs> I mean, anyway,
1: <laughs> it's like the artist formerly known as Prince. Right.
0: Yes. Hopefully we don't get to that point with him, but.
1: <laughs> but. But it's an interesting point, right? That everybody should be able to eat whole foods uh, market quality. So they want to lower prices without compromising uh, their commitment, meaning whole foods commitment yeah. to its higher standards, which is, which is interesting, right? Because if anyone can do this, Amazon certainly can because they mm-hmm. have the pockets to do this.
0: Yeah, I wonder if they're feeling that same pain that we all do when we go to Whole Foods. It's, I don't know if it's a pain, but, or maybe it's a pain that we enjoy because we all go there and we love going there, but we know that when you when you walk in those doors, you're not spending less than $100, no matter what you do. So right. maybe they, they feel that pain too over at Amazon and they want to change that a little bit to make it seem a little bit more reasonable. But of course, these these price changes are not for everything. It's a very small part of their assortment, extremely small part of their assortment. So we'll have to see how that extends. At least from what we can see so far, it's uh, they said they're to get started. At least a quote from um, Jeff Wilk, Wilkie. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. CEO of Amazon Worldwide Customer. i sorry, Amazon Worldwide Consumer uh, mentioned in a statement to get started. We're going to lower prices beginning Monday on a selection of best-selling grocery staples, including Whole Trade organic bananas, which I never buy organic bananas. By the way, that's. Side note, never do that. There's no need to. You're not eating <laughs> the skin, are right? you? If you're eating the skin, then you get a bigger problem. I fully agree. Right. Same here. Uh, responsibly farmed Amazon. He didn't say that, by the way. That was me. Um, organic, large brown eggs, animal welfare rated 85%, lean ground beef, and more. So there's the and more thing. Who knows how much and more is, but they're starting small and they're going to lower some prices. Or at least they're saying they can lower prices or they're saying that they're lower, even if maybe they're just a few pennies lower. Who knows? Who knows what the real deal is here? But this is, this is very interesting news on price drops uh, from Amazon as as it uh, relates to their Whole Foods acquisition. And I'll see on Monday, right? I'm going to walk
1: yeah. in deliberately on Monday at right. Whole Foods, Monday night, to see what is really the price drop here.
0: Yep. Now I have my Amazon app open and everything ready to go. <laughs> see if something happens. See if I get a something app. Something pops out of my phone. I don't know. Because that's point two, right, Todd? Uh, Yes, exactly. So that Amazon Prime is going to be the primary loyalty program uh, for Whole Foods, which is cool. So Whole Foods has a current loyalty program. I don't use it. I think they have one at least. What's it called?
1: I don't know what it's called, uh, but I downloaded it. And you have some coupons for things that you get when you're in the store. Nothing, nothing robust, nothing like you would get from Amazon. But I mean, it, it It works.
0: So this will be cool. We'll have to see what they tag on, uh, what they add on to this uh, this loyalty program, or how they change it. Amazon Prime has been gradually stapling things on to the benefits of being an Amazon Prime subscriber. And they've done this across industries, not only just for Amazon, you know, Amazon goods with shipping, but also for their videos, obviously. Uh, they offer many discounts for games, They've uh, made an agreement with Twitch, twitch.tv, which is a online, um, essentially a, a way to watch people play games and uh, other types of kind of live stream activities. And so they're kind of, they're expanding out. And that was, of course, from their acquisition of, of, of Twitch. And they, you know, with this acquisition of Whole Foods, they're going to do the same thing. So there will be some type of, as part of your, you know, X amount per month, X amount per year that you're paying. You will get this, this, and this from Whole Foods. And it'll be interesting to see what it is, and I'm sure it'll be good because everything that they, in my opinion, at least everything Amazon has offered as part of their Prime membership has been really compelling and makes it feel worth it to me, at least. So Yeah, for for the price, absolutely.
1: It, it makes it feel compelling. Yeah. And to pick up on a point that you made, Todd, uh, about the grocer's. They're going up against everyone, and prices actually, share prices went down on this announcement, right? Not only when the announcement of the acquisition was made, meaning Amazon purchasing Whole Foods, but also the announcement that they're going to lower prices also, um, let's say, made share prices for public grocers uh, drop as well.
0: Oh, so Amazon Atlanta. prices didn't drop. You mean share prices for grocers dropped? Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay.
1: And what's interesting is that I I try to think of any other grocery store or, uh, let's say, chain. And a lot of them are regional. Not all of them are uh, around the country in the U.S. Uh, On the Northeast, we have Wegmans, which I personally love.
0: Me too. Um, I grew up with those guys. They're the best.
1: They're awesome. They're awesome. And and to
0: me, they're just
1: kind of like a Whole Foods in a way, right? It's just... Uh, but when, without the prices, and it, it's just just a little bit different, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I really like Wegmans. Mm-hmm. Uh, another, let's say, part of maybe a larger company is uh, Stop and Shop. Um, it, not Wegmans, but it's another one of those regional, uh, let's say, grocers. My point being in bringing these two up, and it could be any anything wherever whoever wherever our listeners live. I'm sure you have your local uh, grocers and also the independents. It's what will the experience change like uh, for the competitors, right? Uh, if I were in the bigger city, in some towns we know that you only have like two two grocery stores, right? That you have to drive to, uh, that are not internally downtown, right? So you kind of have to drive to them. W- what's that going to look like? Or are you going to prefer to drive to Whole Foods to lower prices? And what's that going to do with the business for everyone else, right? I'm just trying yeah. to imagine the future Monday onward.
0: Yeah, that's now, what for do you sure. Think, Todd? Uh, I mean, it's there's a lot of things that could happen out of this and. Um, they're gonna have the biggest it seems like with with Amazon and Whole foods, I mean this has been a everyone's been wondering what are they doing with this and what does this mean for them? Is this another way to just gather more data, which is one thing you know thinking about this enormous database of trends and customer purchase habits and um, you know just tons of information they can add to uh, to their to their to the work that they're doing internally, to to segment their own database and to make sure they're marketing correctly and they're offering the right things to the right people and all that. That's one way. And there's also there's also uh, you know their foray into grocery in general, trying to create the you know when they attempted or they are attempting the Amazon Go type of experience, meaning less you know less actual employees in there working in a um, in a grocery type environment where you can walk in and self-serve, check out using your Amazon app and all that stuff. That that sounded great, and it it will happen. And I also wonder if this is going to be a means of uh, a way that Amazon actually executes on that, maybe in a more microscopic fashion inside of a Whole Foods, creating a segment of it where you can go in and just grab what you want and leave or make, you know, they might insert, they might use this as a test bed for some of that stuff, in my my opinion. But, um, and I'm sure, (laughs) to be honest with you, some of the... Some of the Whole Foods employees might be worried about that, meaning is Amazon going to come in here and start automating a lot of this and taking that human element out of it? So who knows about that? We'll find out in the future. That's a valid
1: concern, right? I mean, that's a very valid concern. I'd be concerned, especially that that's something not for this segment, but that's big in the industry, which is retail overall. Doesn't matter if you're a grocer or not, is automation, Uh, the automation of jobs within the industry. Sure. And some way shape or form.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and you mentioned the other grocers that uh that probably are a little bit concerned, but at this point I don't know how concerned they are. Um, Target, Walmart, you know, Stop and Shop, they all have a very unique clientele. And maybe it's maybe they're less unique than Whole Foods, but Whole Foods has has probably the most unique clientele. It's a certain type of of shopper that expects certain quality or even certain pricing even if it is ridiculous or they expect a certain experience and they're usually not going to veer away from that. So there's two different worlds of shopping when it comes to grocery here and I do wonder how much of an impact this actually will have on um, on you know some of the uh, the cost conscious grocers out there because they are two different types of uh, of grocers in my opinion but we'll have to see we won't know until this happens or if Amazon makes enough changes that Whole Foods suddenly becomes more of a cost-conscious grocer in some some fashion. I don't even know. Like a Trader Joe's, they still have great stuff, but they're just ridiculously low prices. So I don't know. They'd have to change a lot of their business model to get there. I don't think they're sure. going to do that, though.
1: Agreed. Although, it, it, here's one interesting thing, right? If you think of millennials, right? We we all, we've talked about millennials. Oh, no, we for love the last... talking about millennials.
0: They're too much fun not to talk about. <laughs> it's, just, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. Exactly. It's way yeah. It's great.
1: It's, it's – it, I think it's demographics that dictate what goes on, right? And so it, it's really that they're shaping the way we think about things. I mean, there are obviously many other generational segments, if you will, within the overall population of the U.S., but they seem to be driving a lot of, let's say, the things that are important to the values of whole foods, right? This sure. whole idea of sustainability – uh, is something that was not only, it's not a millennial-specific idea. I mean, I think it, it's a pan-American-specific or general idea, rather. But it's something that really started with the baby boomers, right? And so uh, the, another influential generation. So what's going to be interesting is, I think Whole Foods has this this kind of like millennial feel to it. Not, not all millennials, right? Obviously, you can't really generalize. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I think that they're kind of like a... a Benchmark that others will somehow have to follow because I've seen local stores uh, in different cities let's say New York for example that have actually started an Organic section and it was hard to find Organic sections in certain supermarkets right now. It seems to be becoming more normal And I I would call that that there was an Amazon effect that we talk about. Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's a whole foods (laughs) effect as well. Yeah
0: I completely agree we're this is going this is exciting. I can't wait to see this see what happens see what actually changes that's tangible in the stores starting next week so um we will all be we will all be running into Whole Foods next week if we have one within range I think <laughs> It'll be a big party <laughs> uh, So let's move on to topic two and get away from the Amazon stuff just for a minute if we can um so uh, like I said, you know we kicked it off we talked about earnings and it is earnings season and there's uh, with that comes lots of lots of commentary from the C-level folks, right? They get on these calls and they go over the numbers and they're, you know, very, very calculated on what they're saying. And they also, they, they tend to give their two cents on some things to try to either defend their success or at least promote their success or defend their failures or other things. So in this case, we've got the Dick Sporting Goods CEO uh, who was on his earnings call. And, and, and I think in the past, at least I haven't see, seen too many examples of of CEOs getting on calls and and actually recognizing that retail is in a bit of disarray and, you know, to the shareholders. I mean, maybe in one form or fashion they have, but this was blatant where, you know, CEO Edward Stack got on the call and in the investor call and did recognize that retail is a bit of a mess. And I think this was probably to sort of defend that, it, you know, Dick's shares plunged about 19% Uh, Before the market opened this past Tuesday because they announced that second quarter profits and sales, misanalyst expectations, and they reported um, uh, actually net sales uh, sales of 2.6 billion and 0.1% growth in comparable store sales at at locations from last year that have been open a year. So not much uh, comp growth there but i'm always curious to to hear more about the margins and and how they're doing in that regard which they didn't seem to mention too much at least in that in that article we found but hey you know dix is well known in the in the sporting goods space and they are a bit, they are a a benchmark a a barometer of of retail in in that area and uh so this this ceo was interesting i mean he's he had very strong opinions on what's happening in the space and uh <laughs> I don't know what to make of it, to be honest with you. I don't understand, um, well, maybe Jose, if you want to go into a little bit about his strategy here. I don't know where he's going with it, but. So
1: Todd, I think what's happening here is they want to double down and debut their best price guarantee, which was something an initiative they started in July, right? And so they promised to match the best price available. That's a problem. Right? Because yeah. in business, we know that there are two way two things to do, either you're going to compete on price or you're going to differentiate. So why yeah. do you want to compete on price if you should really be differentiating? I mean, yes, they have the scale, uh, 2.16 6, 2. billion mm-hmm. is rather large. So they're a player, but they're by no means the only player that, that's that large.
0: Right. Right. So I mean, best price the- guarantee is very it's very 1990s, uh, you know, very right. old school Walmart where Walmart has accelerated way beyond that. I mean, there's still price price masters, but still it's it's about other things now. It's not just about the price. And That's you're right. And, and we've, we talk about a lot of that. We talk about the experience. We talk about assortments. We talk about um, how retailers can become different in their own way. Um, using different technologies, using different tactics operationally and and in-store, all these great things that retailers can do. And honestly, pricing, lowering pricing, which means lowering your margins, which means lowering your profits eventually, unless you're cutting costs another way, is not the best thing, in my opinion, and maybe yours too, to say on an earnings call when you're trying to get Wall Street um, to see that Dix is doing great things. um, Maybe there's other things he mentioned around this, but... uh, doesn't seem like the best thing to to focus on as a big strategy right it really? just leads to failure and it leads to it leads to eventually grouping them into some of those 6300 plus stores this year that have been shuttered uh like JCPenney and Eastern Mountain Sports Gymboree, route 21 even some Dick's but it's just going to be it's kind of like uh you know a, a vision into their future of, of right. some more of those stores going going exactly. bye bye
1: unless they want to be a Discounter, right? Like a TJX mm-hmm. type of model. Now that's a good point. Side.
0: So maybe, but I don't, I don't know. It doesn't seem like their model. You know, it right. to me, it doesn't. At least when I go in there now, it certainly doesn't seem like the prices match any type of discount. So it always feels like I'm paying more than I should. To be honest, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> as much it's as I not, love it there, it just feels like it's it's at a premium. But
1: no, exactly. Well, that's the thing. They're not a discount store or off price store, I, and mm-hmm. so I don't
0: see this working. For them, right? Don't compete I mean, on price. But what if they're like a Banana Republic, right? If you, we're two different worlds here, but you know, Banana Republic, they're known to have ridiculous uh, prices just in general. Just regular, you know, sure. ticket prices uh, for for apparel at Banana, um, no one ever pays full price there. You wait until it's not much waiting anymore because they're always running 40, 50% off sales on everything because they know that their prices are ridiculous. So they mark it down. And I wonder if. If that's what Dix is getting at here, more aggressive promotions, some of these unexpected, as he called it, irrational and unpredictable promotions. That stuff might work, you know, but it is again, it's going to eat into unless they change other parts of their business model and their operations. It's going to eat into that into that um, uh, profit that they're used to. So,
1: right. It's going to eat into their margins, which, to your point, is going to ultimately impact profit. Right. thing that we're seeing overall second half a lot of retailers have been saying and you could see this in the general media if you look up a couple of articles second quarter outlook is going to be heavily promotional very promotional so this may be playing into that but look you can't go on promotions because let's take the a case study in what happens when you live on promotions what happens when you live on promotions is exactly what is happening to a department stores and old legacy retailers right you, you rely on promotions and then your business becomes a promotional business right and you could call it everyday low pricing or you could just have sales all the time that is even more irrational because there's no way out that is a death spiral right and we're seeing the effects of that now right once once you're yep. used to a benefit you take that away and say, oh, let's say that there was a new CEO at some point in time, right? Other than Edward Stack mm-hmm. might say, no, we're going to get away from this and we're going to increase margins by diminishing the amount uh, or, or the number of discounts we're going to have over the year of sales, right? Mm-hmm. Not going to fly. That's the right. classic J. I C. guess Penny story. That, could,
0: that could be even worse, right? So maybe he didn't do the worst thing here by any means. Right.
1: It could be worse, but but yeah. but all all I'm really pointing out, which is essentially what you're what you're saying, is it is a step in the direction that he does not want to go into because once you open up Pandora's box, you really don't want to deal with the aftermath.
0: Yeah. Hey, so let, let's 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 move on beyond that. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole too much on on uh, the ups and downs of dicks, but uh, you know. We all love that store, and we, you know we'll see what happens with it, and uh, we'll see how they do this next quarter too, and see if any of these see if any of these irrational, unpredictable promotions come into play because I would love to go take advantage of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Footlocker, speaking of you know uh, se- segments of retail that are experiencing some change, it seems like uh, there are every segment of retail has its own unique issue. Uh, you know this specialty retailer uh, Footlocker is not unique in in the issues that they're having. They're seeing some. Change in the brands that they're carrying, some success changes in some of the brands that they're carrying. Meaning, uh, Nike specifically, they sell a lot of Nike. Uh, Jose, they sell a lot of Nike, and and this a little scary because it's kind of like, it's kind of like companies that are that are just starting off and they have one giant customer that's driving all of their success, and they're reliant on the success of that customer and the money (laughs) from that customer. And if for some reason that goes downhill, then they go downhill too. And we're we're sort of seeing that here where it's not like Nike's going downhill. It's just, it seems like, and you can, you can explain this better than I can, Jose, but it it seems like there's been some adjustment in some of the major brands when it comes to shoes as to uh, how they're selling, whether it's through Amazon or whether it's through white label, whether it's their own sites or whatever it might be. And maybe Nike hasn't fully adjusted as the others have, and it's showing in their selection and their assortment in Foot Locker and other types of stores like that.
1: Yeah, and it's it's really interesting. To your point, uh, last year about sixty eight percent of the products Foot Locker purchased
0: came from Nike. Wow, that's to your a point. lot. That's yeah, almost a Nike store.
1: It pretty much and this is dragging the chain down and there are other reasons look uh, to your point uh, business case 101 right <laughs> it's yeah. like uh, do not be relying on one major vendor right on, that is the case here because the fortunes of those vendor of that vendor are tied to your fortunes right so here unfortunately uh, not doing well because there's the big competitor to nike let's give a little context the big competitor nike is adidas
0: Mm -hmm. right which i say adidas and i say it totally wrong so everyone's going to be yelling at their phones telling us to say it the right way which is me saying it the wrong way so anyway i keep addressing it every time i say tomato it's okay Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) so really what's going on in this sneaker uh business literally is that the market is for fashion focused casual sneakers not performance shoes so Adidas uh, has pretty much fashion focused casual sneakers right so it has retro sneakers has new styles like the M MN- and NMD mm-hmm. uh, since it was launched in 2015 it's been growing. Nike on the other hand is still heavily focused on performance basketball and running shoes right so right the
0: jordans and all that yeah
1: exactly and it's been there's been <laughs> a little bit of a market let's say change right now with what the customer wants which is impacted what's going on um at Foot Locker. and ultimately that has been impacted bring it down the supply chain uh by the offerings that nike has or at least the way that they present themselves
0: mm-hmm yeah. I mean it's uh it, well the thing is and it's not even we're calling out Foot Locker here. We're calling out Foot Locker because um of again the earnings announcements from this past couple of weeks and they had one on August eighteenth. And they're talking about how they, you know, six percent fall in sales and stores that have been open at least a year. So again that that, that comp that one year comp dropped for them and that's always a signal. Um and then their share price dropped too. So they again they're talking about what can, what are they doing wrong and what are they what are they doing wrong? They're not, and and you know, they're not blaming the industry this time failing like we had with the Dick Sporting Good CEO. But this time they're pointing at the brands that they're selling, right? So they're saying, oh, Nike, you know, you guys really, you need to change up your assortment. You need to be more innovative. You need to move me to more fashion forward because that's what the customer wants. And, you know, and I say back to CEO Richard Johnson, well, why didn't you know this six months ago? Or why didn't, if you did know this, or and this is maybe a revelation that, oh boy, our shares dropped. Oh boy, our comp dropped this past year. We need to point the finger at somebody. Let's point the finger at Nike. Maybe they should be looking at themselves a little bit and recognizing, okay, maybe we didn't see this. We should have seen it sooner based on what people are buying in our stores or based on trend information that we might have. Simple stuff like that. They could have perhaps seen this decline and adjusted in time. I don't know, but that's just again my, my opinion, and I'm always I always get feisty about these things. And it's always easy to to be the backseat driver for these, and I can't <laughs> imagine having their their jobs. But yeah, they're going to point the finger perhaps um, at some of their um some of the brands they carry, and for them to kind of step up their game. And then there's actually a, there's actually a, a probably a good reason for that, in that they're. You know, they've got deals with them. They've got uh, commitments to sell certain amounts and the commitments that Nike has, commitments that other brands have to sell in footlocker stores and all those other types of, you know, finish line, those types of stores where they have uh, certain commitments, you know, whether it's styles, design or whatever, whatever, to stay on the market that way. But now it right. seems like they may have to change the way that they that they look at that uh, because these guys, um, you know, such as Nike are they're, they're going to be changing the way they sell, too. They may not be selling mostly through Foot Locker. They may be selling more direct and, of course, more through Amazon, like we mentioned before. So that could have a incredibly negative impact on Foot Locker.
1: Yeah, yeah for sure. Because, look, their, the impact of this earnings call was that their earnings uh, per share dropped uh, 25%, or their share price 25%. Yeah. For Foot Locker. Now, it's interesting to see what what's going on here, right? Because Adidas, for example, is selling direct-to-consumer now. Yep. And if the consumer wants something that's more fashion-focused, not as performance-driven, then you could get it directly from them. Mm-hmm. And I have, a very, I have a story to tell you. So, I was looking, not for sneakers, but I, I was looking... Um, for flip-flops and since I swim uh, and I needed something of uh, so my go-to place right. was for Foot the Locker, pool deck actually. right yeah exactly mm-hmm. so I looked at some Adidas flip-flops that I chose to purchase from Foot Locker. free shipping I uh, like footlocker and so I ordered them and I ordered them in maybe late May and it said oh it's delayed the shipments delayed We'll we'll let you know when it comes in, okay. Late May, June rolls around. We get to July Fourth weekend. It gets pushed back further. Nothing. You're patient. You're way too patient. And so <laughs> it was a replacement pair, right? So oh, okay. it wasn't right. like so I, yeah, I had, you had I a lose. pair already. I got you yeah. exactly. So I was like, mm, not cool.
0: So I just called them up and canceled. Mm-hmm. And you called I them and it. canceled. or you like when you went on your account and canceled? No, no. I just called them. And cancel. You called them at lunch. Yeah. You're, I, I does anyone actually call people anymore that way? I mean, it seems like it's all done through websites.
1: Yes. Yeah. And and so, but th- this way, I just kind of made sure that it was done then I got there.
0: You. Yes. Makes sense. <laughs> Makes sense.
1: And it was done mm-hmm. then and there. Got a confirmation. Then I had went to the Adidas website, bought the same pair, got them in a few days, free shipping. Beautiful. Done. Yeah, if that is indicative of really what's going on, that is a problem because I'm just one person, right? Yeah. And and as he said, I'm patient. I it wasn't really I didn't just need a replacement pair, not good for business. So I hope that that's not what's happening.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, as these brands get their 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 fulfillment processes in order and speed up that ability to get product to us as fast as Amazon would, um, that's gonna slowly spell the end of that middleman type um, shoe retailer, right? Like, sure. like a Foot Locker. And, uh, sure. and until they until they offer something unique, which they have the ability to. You know, they have the ability to offer unique assortment. And he mentions that a little bit, uh, you know, Richard Johnson, the CEO, mentions that a little bit about how Foot Locker will continue to carry, uh, you know, special selection and the mid-range stuff will go up on Amazon and, and Foot Locker has the premium stuff. So that's great. As long as they have the right premium sneakers, you know, if they, if they have a, a set of premium sneakers that no one wants anymore because it's, you know, they're two years ago still, uh, then that's not going to be a great strategy. So I guess as long as they keep up on their assortment and they offer something unique, that's sure. the important thing, uh, then they should be good to go. But they're going to still, it seems like they're going to have this ripple effect, at least what in uh, the Wall Street is saying, or at least he's uh, Richard Johnson's saying that they expect their, this ripple effect of. Of sales at stores open at least a year to be down three to four percent over the rest of this year, so that's going to keep going until they fix fix that assortment, fix that that uh, deal with the with the customer to say, hey, listen, we've got something for you here that's unique and different than going to Nike's website or going to True. you know um, uh, Amazon or whatever. So they're going to have to fix that. Once it's fixed, they should be fine. But this is going to be an interesting time because I, I agree with you. I've had really good experiences with brands and uh, ordering through them and having customer. Um, uh, customer support through them and, and they're just extremely attentive and they know they have to be and they do offer something unique and they're being extremely aggressive with their pricing because they can because they're direct so right it's all good no, you're right yeah
1: you're right and I, I wanted just to pick up on a quick point that you made todd which is something that th- they should be careful on mm-hmm. the yearnings calls uh, the ceos that is so if their stores uh, the comp store sales, right? So comp store sales are going to be down 3 to 4% uh, for stores open at least a year, right? right? Problem is that metric that they're using to talk to analysts about is a metric that is going by the wayside, right? Because if you think of what's going on, comp store sales are tough. There was a time you could do that. So let's say when online and mobile, let's just say digital as uh, a catch all was a much smaller proportion, which it still is in certain segments of the overall business, Mm -hmm. not certain segments. Overall, it's like 10% is the industry average and 90% of sales are in retail brick and mortar stores. But as that online proportion starts growing from 10 to 11 to 12, and foot traffic continues to either, let's say best case, hold steady, or decline in some instances, which is what's been Mm -hmm. happening recently, then the comp store sales number isn't as indicative of the health of a business because there's been some trade-off in business that's gone uh, traditionally online. That's a good point. Or sorry, uh, in-store rather, <clears throat> to online.
0: Mm-hmm. Really good point. It- but they have to, I guess, but that's a metric they're, report- they're reporting on, right? So they just have to color it correctly.
1: Exactly. And, and just, uh, I- if anything, make the case, look, we're doing – everything in our power and more and this is what we're doing ABCD in order to uh, ramp up
0: our online experience yeah. I agree I agree or whatever else what other way they're going to blend their stores or exactly. you know, if they're gonna have
1: or not. however um, yeah. they want to spin <clears throat> it but but the ultimate message has to be look comp store sales are down of course yeah it's the yes but argument argument yeah. right.
0: There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. Well, there's a lot of excuses they need to they need to make. You know, there's people staring at them and investors staring at them. That, and I mean, that's a whole nother topic. Is mm. the investors, right? <laughs> I don't, I don't own any retail stock, uh, but uh, that was seems like a dicey area to be right now. Unless you catch on to that, you know, that that magical unicorn right now that will. Well, not Magical Unicorn, I shouldn't say that, but, you know, those, there are, there is a handful of retailers in the various sectors that are doing it right and that, that will see the growth that re- that investors expect, but there's so many that are just stumbling all over the place right now, <laughs> and there's still, it's like, it's just, it's unfortunately so blatant on some of these earnings calls when, uh, you know, a leader of the company gets in there and decides to um, go different routes that we just maybe don't expect or just saying things that we would think would be different or. You know, it's focused too much on pricing. I don't know. Um It's a lot of blame game happening around here. But hey, when when there's like everyone's saying this apocalypse, which I don't I don't believe in, but this this shakeup that's happening in retail over the past year or two is it's going to create that. That's just the way it is mm-hmm. right now until it calms. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I think the the best defense is really just uh just the transparency. Right. Look. Yeah. Um, ultimately, the numbers will tell you. It will tell investors what they want to
0: know. Not, it's all about that. So it's black and white. It, either it is or it isn't. We will see in the coming quarters. We always have, have plenty of fodder to talk about. Maybe we'll pick on some other retailers um, in the next episode. But uh, it's not picking on. But it's it's no. it's, it's gently, gently poking.
1: <laughs> well, look, I, I think we have perspective, right? I, I think sometimes when you're in the mix, if you will, when you're part of the company, yeah. it's kind of hard. To see outside of what's going on with your day to day, with with the fires going on, not daily, but hourly that you have to put out,
0: you're within your own sauce, if you will, (laughs) marinating. What a picture. (laughs) I'm I'm picturing a Jose sitting in some spaghetti sauce right now, marinating, (laughs) just bubbling and, you know, like a little little bathtub brush on your back, just, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Marinating. But the thing is, you got to be more like the chef. Who's yeah. putting all this together, right? You, 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 you have that uh, something marinating. You got something that's being chopped up. You have something. You have all control of everything. And no, you can't have control of everything. Right. But ultimately, it's just that perspective is really what I'm getting. at.
0: For sure, I get, <laughs> I get it. I'm never gonna get that picture out of my head now. <laughs> I was trying to get you away from that picture. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, hey, that's a that's a show. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening as usual. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, email us at BrickDataCast at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and all those favorite podcast apps that you might have. Uh, And uh, next episode, I believe we're going to have an interview, so more to come on that interview, and that'll be fun. But until next time, take care, Jose, and take care, everyone. Thanks, Todd. Bye, everyone.